Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Athletic. Right then, before we continue with the podcast, please remember that if you are going to have a bet this weekend, make sure that you do so responsibly. George, you've got some helpful tips on how to make sure that we do just that. Yeah, it's important to us that the listeners of this podcast are in control of their gambling. This is a podcast for those who are 18 years of age and older. Please ensure that you are only staking what you can afford to lose and do visit BeGambleAware.org for any information to ensure that you're gambling responsibly. Hello and welcome to the Weekend Preview on the Athletic Football Podcast, sponsored by Bet365. I'm Dan Bardell and today my co-host George Ellick and I will preview the best of the weekend's Premier League action alongside Bet365's Steve Freeth. Guys, how we doing? Champions League's back. I don't know about you two, but I love the Champions League. I love a Tuesday, Wednesday, staying in and just watching the best teams in the world battle it out. George, you enjoy it? That's the championship, isn't it? Not this, not quite, not quite the same. The championship in the Champions League. I enjoy the Europa League as well. Um, Premier League teams being successful in midweek. Uh, I was telling people who'd listen on Tuesday that I thought City would have quite a tough game at Sporting. Uh, I looked pretty foolish quite quickly with them uh, brushing them aside so cosily. And then Liverpool, of course, on Wednesday, um, going to the San Siro and beating Inter. Um, that means they've been to the San Siro and beaten Inter and AC this season. There, there seems to be some doubt about whether or not this iteration of, of Liverpool are as good as ones we've seen in previous seasons but they look pretty good to me and uh, great to see Harvey Elliott back from injury getting his first start and doing so in the in the Champions League as well. Yeah Steve, Liverpool are actually my tip to win the Champions League. I think, I think they'll go all the way this season. It's been a few years since they've won it. It feels like they get to a final every few years in the Champions League under Klopp so it feels like it's their time. Incredible strength and depth on that bench last night. Second favourites though behind uh, the side who are yet to win. The, uh, the Champions League, of course, in Manchester City. The favourites every single year yet to do it. Yeah, I'm sure we'll come on to City later, but it's uh, you can understand why they're favourites too to get their hands on it for the first time. Um, of course, Champions League, our Albion fans don't tend to have a great deal of interest in that, of course. Uh, did, did Villa win the European Cup once? Uh, I might have heard it a before, couple of times. Before my time, right, but we okay, may have won it once. Okay, we'll move on then. We'll move on. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, the rest of Europe's got a bit of catching up to do to, to the mm. English teams because you could argue that, obviously, Chelsea are the holders, you know. Three favourites could arguably be the three Premier League teams. So, yeah, the rest of Europe, watch out for the Premier League. Talking of the Premier League, that's exactly what we're going to preview in a second. But before we do get into that first game of the weekend, remember you can sign up to The Athletic for just a pound a month for the first six months at the moment. Simply visit theathletic.com slash football pod and you'll be able to take a look at that offer. Game one, Saturday lunchtime, is West Ham versus Newcastle. 
should actually be a good game, Steve. I mean, Newcastle are on a little bit of a run now. I always find West Ham enjoyable to watch. It's a big game, though, for very different reasons. Newcastle have lost Trippier. Shame they didn't lose him before their last <laughs> game to a serious injury. You can't overstate how much of a difference his leadership, his positional sense, just his experience has made to that Newcastle back line and Newcastle in general. He's going to be a huge miss, isn't he? He is, even for a fullback, Dan. You're right, you're talking about his uh, his leadership. He's got the experience. I think the mate, wasn't he made captain last week as well against your mob? In, in, in... I, believe, I believe I called that was coming. That was coming yeah. soon, I believe, on this, on this very yeah, podcast. It's one of the things you have got right. And then um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a player that, of course, Eddie Howe knows well. And just his performance, I think, the Everton game, wasn't it, where he had like 38 touches in the opponent's half, getting forward more than set maximum as well. And the fact that Newcastle have gone from odds on to four to one to be relegated since he's been there you know it's proof of it as well and actually on the back of his injury we are starting to see a little bit of money for West Ham which just goes to show you know that it, it's been quite key and uh, it will, will be a good game I'm looking forward to this game at the weekend yeah Newcastle obviously won last weekend George as I'm sure you will remember I remember <laughs> it very very well but there has been an improvement all around it's not just Trippier is there Eddie, Eddie Howe's done a lot of good things over the last few weeks with them yeah, he definitely has. Um, you know, I, th- I know Villa fans were pretty frustrated about how poor they felt their team were in the Newcastle game. But I think often when you are a fan of a side, you can often overlook the fact that the opposition deserves some credit as well. Uh, and that was, I think, the case when Newcastle did well. They were to- solid, organised. Exactly. And they made it very difficult for, for, for Villa to break them down, even when they were 1-0 behind. And we, and we know that Villa have been have caused problems to much supposedly better teams than than uh, the Newcastle in recent weeks. So they deserve credit for that. Um and they have been very solid. You know, the Trippier issue is is a blow, especially because Mankio, um, who would normally step up and replace him um in a kind of like for like swap, also hobbled off injured as well. So it looks like it might have to be Ryan Fraser playing that right wing back role, which isn't his his natural position. But, you know, in, in the good performances and, and the good results, you know, they've deserved these wins. They were the better side against Everton. Uh, they were probably the better side against Leeds. Um, my biggest concern when Eddie Howe took over was how poor his Bournemouth side's defensive record was in the Premier League. Even when they were fairly good, they conceded so many goals. And given Newcastle's position, uh, if it didn't really feel like they could afford to concede plenty of goals. But their ability to not only cause the opposition problems, but also look very solid defensively has been probably the biggest plus and the biggest surprise. Trippi has had a part to play in that. Um, how much that changes without him, we'll soon see. It would have to take a, a big dip in performance level to see them um, start dropping points again. You know, Otherwise, they're, they're going to be safe, uh, you'd think, for the end of the season. Steve the tipster, one of the kind of nicknames that I've heard you given. <laughs> your Dawson your your tip last week. Well, you, I mean, it came, came through late, but the important thing is it came through... Uh, yeah, I, I love Dawson um, as a professional footballer who's got the absolute maximum out of his career. You know, the lad who started out at uh, Rochdale, I think it was, in, in the Northwest. He was a regular goal scorer for Dale back then. He was scoring double figures a season. As, as a punter who, who likes the back set of halves, as, as, as the both of you are well aware, he's just sheer desire to get to the ball regardless, to go through bodies, to run through brick walls, so to speak, to to get on the end of it to, you know, to score a goal or to defend at the other end, of course, which he's paid to do more as well. So I'm absolutely delighted. It, he generally gets three or four goals a season in the Premier League and it was good to see him finally score this season in the Premier League at his 17th attempt. And he'll probably fancy his chances this weekend as well. 
I backed it as well, which is always a yeah. always a good thing. So thank you very much, Steve. The tipster. See, were you, were you getting abuse all game until he scored as no, well from Dan? Was no, he sending you messages he, saying he's been rubbish? <laughs> Dan just gives me loads of stick about well, just about anything really, the weather, politics, or anything. <laughs> he just he just he just seems to blame me because he's a fan of a big club, and I'm just a little old Albion fan. He think he can bully big me quite mentality. a bit. Yeah, just that big club mentality. He just likes to bully me. I wish I was fans of a big club, a fan of a big club. I can I can tell you that much. Didn't feel like it on Sunday. I can I can tell you that for free. Right, Jared Bowen, George. We've had a brief little chat on the WhatsApp group before we've come mm. on about this. Is he going to the World Cup? It's not that I'm not having it. It's not that I'm saying it shouldn't happen. I just don't think it will happen. I think there's too many players ahead of him. I would even argue that in Southgate's mind, Harvey Elliott would be ahead of him. If you think Mount players there as well, I just think when it comes to picking a 23 man squad, as it will probably be then. It just isn't room for him and he's, he's not played for England before. I just think it's too late. Yeah, possibly. I, I think it depends on his form. Um, I think the fact, unlike the players you mentioned there, um, Bowen's biggest threat as a footballer is scoring goals. Even though he's not a front man, he's not a striker, he's someone who'll, who'll play off the left and, and come inside onto his left foot. Um, he is on the pitch to score goals. And I, I'm not entirely sure England have enough of those players. You've got Harry Kane and you've got Raheem Sterling. But beyond that, there aren't many out-and-out goal scorers. So I think having him as an option to be someone who can c- come in and basically plug in and play and, and immediately look to be a goal threat also takes some of the heat off Kane as well. He scored seven goals in his last seven games. Um, I think if he carries on at anything similar to that level... Gareth Southgate will have a decision to make as to whether or not to, to call him up. Um, I, I think he strikes me as the kind of character that Southgate likes. You know, he's one of those footballers who nobody who works with him seems to have a bad word to say about him. He seems to be the absolute consummate pro, um, very, very popular, works incredibly hard and is consistent as well. So, I mean, he's 7-4 uh, with three six five to to get to, to be in that squad. I, I, you know, if you had to... He offered me either having a better four to seven that he wouldn't or, or back him to be in at seven or four. I'd probably take the, the heavy odds on shot that he won't. But I think he certainly deserves to be in the reckoning. And I think the fact that he offers something a bit different, um, there isn't really a, a com- comparable player that we have to call upon, um, sets him in decent stead. And you know whether or not West Ham can keep him in the summer, I, I'm not entirely sure. But it's not like you know last season often with, with Grealish, it, it felt like it was a case of if he played for any other club except for Villa, he probably would have got a call up earlier. I don't think that's necessarily true with, with the West Ham stuff because of their good finish last season and because of the, the high performance from that club over the last 18 months or so. So, I mean, I, I'd, I'd love to see him get, a, get an opportunity and he's the kind of player I can imagine would, would take to international football very well. How many goals do you think we'll get, guys? But Bowen's got eight this season. We've got a market on how many will score in the Premier League. So I'm just interested on your thoughts. 13. 13, yeah. 100 to 30, 14. that is. And yeah, it's the same market. 13 to 14, that band is 100 to 30. So uh, 15 or more is is 2 to 1. And he's 6 to 5 to be top West Ham scorer. I think he's level now, is he, with Antonio, who's who's the slight favourite at even money. And he's a bullseye. I'd, I'd back him over Antonio. Yeah, me, I'd yeah, back him over Antonio. Yeah, me too. And he's a bullseye 50 to 1. Bowen, a bullseye 50 to 1 to be PFA Player of the Year. I see what you've done there, Steve. Thank you. Very, very <laughs> clever. Yeah. Sh- showing your age, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. I remember balls off. So it's, a pro- right. it's a problem for me as Is well. Is that where you got yeah. a speedboat outside your house, Dan? Is that right? Oh, if, if, only, <laughs> if only, Steve. If only. Let's talk a bit more about West Ham now. Still in fifth, but Arsenal, Spurs and Wolves have got multiple games in hand on them. George, do you think they'll hold on? I, I don't think they'll finish fourth. Um, I think we're starting to see... I'd like them to. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm sure you would. Yeah. Um, mm. It seems to me like there's maybe been 
a bit of a dip in performance level with West Ham in the last few weeks. You know, they they've faced up against a Leicester side who've been incredibly poor. I mean, for the last couple of months, and Leicester were, were unlucky not to win that game uh, with only a very late header from Craig Dawson, as we discussed, getting West Ham the points. They weren't great against Watford in the 1-0 win. They offered very little going forward at all against Manchester United in the, in the defeat at Old Trafford as well. And then again, they lost to a lead side who, except for that game, have, have, have struggled to really pick up any points. I think West Ham will struggle to maintain the, the form needed to stay there. I, I think they'll probably end up finishing um, out of those group that group of teams we mentioned who are trying to finish fourth I think they'll probably end up bottom of those um and this is going to be a difficult game I think it's it's it almost feels to me like this is West Ham at their kind of lowest performance level of the season so far up against a Newcastle side who are playing better than they have done for for years they're seven to one Dan big outsiders I think the big winners recently have been Arsenal who shortened into five to four without playing it was amazing you know results seem to go their way and Manchester United have come in slightly from two to one into seven to four after that victory over Brighton and Spurs have been the big losers with of course with the last three games as well so they're out to four to one dare I mention Wolves 200 to one shots in December now 16 to one shots and they're banging form and I'll, I'll really look forward to talking about the Wolves later just when you want Steve the tipster, back in West Ham last week, we've got George the tipster. <laughs> Come on then, George, you've got to try and outshine Steve. Easy. Uh, well, I'm doing I'm doing a goal scorer, but it's a striker rather than a um, rather than a, a centre back, so the price isn't quite as as appealing. Um, but I think I mean Chris Wood is basically going to score a goal fairly soon. Um, he's made four starts for Newcastle already. He's averaging two and a half shots a game. His accumulative xG over the course of those four games is is basically one. Um, and it would be a, a big surprise if he doesn't break his, his Newcastle duck fairly soon. As I mentioned, I think Newcastle will cause this West Ham side problems. I think the 15-4 to 4 about them to win the game um, is probably quite easy to make a case for. But as ever with these things, when you're looking through the list of players and the goalscorer market, when you've got Antonio at 6-5 to five and Wood at 12-5, to five, a huge discrepancy there based on the fact that West Ham are such heavy favourites. I think there's a chance you could you could hit with Wood even if Newcastle don't get the three points at, at a similar price. So 12 to 5, Chris Wood to score and get his first Newcastle goal. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Game two is Manchester City v Spurs, which is Saturday, 5.30pm kickoff. Spurs, 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 Steve. Mm. It's all gone a little bit sour in the last few weeks. Conte feels like he's kicking off a little bit. I mean, he's admitted that the January transfer window was not easy and that Spurs may actually, on paper, have weakened their side. Charlie Eccleshare was on our Spurs podcast earlier in the week asking the following question. What job did Antonio Conte think he was taking? How would you answer that, Steve? Well, I suppose I, 
Would you spin it round and say Levy knew what he was taking on, really, in, in, in a guy? Yeah, a bit of both. Yeah, yeah. In, it doesn't seem a marriage made in heaven, them two. There was, it always felt like eventually there was going to be some sparks. And uh, admittedly, I didn't think he would be quite as outspoken this early on. However, it's nothing new for him to be so outspoken. I think he's always always pushed buttons as a as a manager. Maybe he's frustrated. Maybe he was promised more than he got in January. That could-, could Spurs say they tried, though? I know, I know they didn't come off, but could, could Spurs say, well, we, we did try, sometimes things yeah. just don't work out? The, yeah, the late signings that they, they did, the couple of late signings as well, felt just a little bit rushed, maybe, if, if, if you want to argue with that. I know they had four players out the door. He's talking about the squad probably being more middle of the table as opposed to as it going for the top of the table. Let's be honest, they're only four to one to finish in the top four, but they don't <laughs> look like title challengers. They've gone from 11 to eight from the top four to, uh, to four to one for the top four now after that, after that Chelsea defeat as well. So me personally, I can see Conte walking away in the summer. It wouldn't surprise me in the slightest. George, would you go along with that? Maybe. I, I, maybe not during the summer. I think the, the transfer business is going to be pivotal clearly I mean reading the quotes from Conte this week um, there seems to be some revisionism after a couple of bad performances and results against Southampton and Wolves where at the beginning of February he was saying he was happy with the business and he felt like the squad was stronger suddenly he's come out this week and said the four players I've lost were actually really key players to me Um, and you know still talking up the business that they did do but kind of framing them as um as long-term plans, which is especially bizarre given one is an 18-month loan. Um, so it's... He, he is someone who strikes me as keen to deflect blame when things aren't necessarily going well. He's very outspoken in the press and you've always got to take manager comments with, with a pinch of salt. You know, it's something we spoke I spoke about on uh, my EFL podcast last week where you've got to remember that these quotes are coming purely because managers have to talk in the press you know it's not because if they have something to say they say it it's because they have a microphone put in front of them at least once a week and are asked questions and then we hang off every single word that they say um Conte will always be someone who's outspoken I've been to plenty of his press conferences at at Stamford Bridge and he was the worst person you could ever cover because he'd be asked one question and it would take him about 45 minutes to answer a single question we wouldn't get home until about nine o'clock after a three o'clock kickoff but that's kind of the way he is he can't really help himself and um, whether that boils over into him walking out on the club if he feels like the the, the business isn't good enough maybe but I think there's something about him where the, the project of Tottenham, and he mentioned it himself, it's a very different job to any job he's taken on before. I think it kind of appeals to him. I think he quite likes the idea of his legacy being taking over a club, which he he called mid-table, which I thought was a bit of a stretch, and uh, and turning them into something um, that could be, you know, one of the heavyweights of, of European football. When the transfer window was active, results were good. Yeah. You know, he, he wanted the players that didn't come. Now the window's finished, results are bad. I mean, like I said before, I mean, if they wanted Diaz, he's gone to Liverpool, they can't compete with Liverpool, he's always going to go there. So it's a difficult one all round, really, for Spurs. Well, not so long ago, the king of all deflectors, the absolute master of all deflectors was in the Tottenham Hotspur hot seat, Jose Mourinho. Maybe he's left a few tips for for Conte to do that. Yeah, clearly, Dan, it it is a concern. Of course, he might be covering his back. We do have a market on the points total over the next three games for Tottenham Hotspur. So I'll be interested in your your thoughts on this, guys. They have three away games. Manchester City this weekend, of course, Burnley away and Leeds away. How many points will Spurs get from those three games? Four. Four. Ooh. 
Three to four points is even money. Zero points is actually 20 to one and nine points is 25. So there you go. My point was at Burnley, by the way. Um, no, they beat Burnley. They draw Leeds. Mm, I think they beat Leeds. Also, okay. Well, they need well, they, interesting. Well, they need Harry Kane to start firing sooner or later, don't they? Yeah, unfortunately, now we are going to talk about update on the charity bet. I think it says on the screen. Yes, yeah, I don't want to go. I don't want to delve too much into the charity bet, but we will talk about Steve's leg. Harry Kane. I've given what, you. Kane, I've given you enough stick. I've given you enough stick over say over the Southampton challenging for. Uh, the Champions League. No, well, yeah, clearly. Yeah, I'm joking. Oh, but, I mean, yeah, I may, yeah, I yeah. As well no, no, that. no, but I was thinking that exactly the same this morning. Five goals for him is a massive concern for somebody who's generally challenging for the top goal scorer honours. 20 goal barriers never too much for him, is it? You know, he's, he's normally probably got that by by this time of the season, but he's actually, we've got a market on how many goals he'll get this season. We are 16 to one for him to score 20 this season. So it's a concern. And it's a quality striker who shoots his xg most seasons this season he's not doing that he's near a 10 for his xg as well he's massively down on his expected assists he's actually had 71 shots this season only most sellers had more than him so maybe he's just uh he's just not getting the look this season in front of goal do you, do you guys know how many goals he scored in all competitions this season 20 odd five 17 oh england we including england as well oh silly 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 yeah it is including england four for england um in the qualifiers one in the carabao cup four in three in the conference league three and two in the fa cup and then five and 20 in the premier league i mean it, I, I i'm pretty confident that he is going to start scoring goals again fairly soon uh, i don't think he's lost the knack and i think he's probably just undergoing going through a Probably well well deserved barren spell uh, in front of goal. He's certainly looked a lot better since Antonio Conte came in. Um, he said as much, George, as well, I hasn't he? He said he's enjoying playing mm. under 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 Conte. Yeah, he's definitely been better. I don't remember him missing. I watched the Leicester game and he missed a few in that one, but I don't remember him missing bucketfuls of chances really recently under Conte. No, that doesn't really fit in with the mo with the most shots thing though, does it? So is he just shooting from range a lot? Or what is he? I mean, would City come back in for him in the summer as it stands? No. Either of you think no. that now it's dead now? Well, it depends. That, depends on the price. They've got other priorities. <laughs> City are going to put all their eggs in the Haaland basket. Yeah, yeah, no doubt about it. Haaland or Kane, who are you going to go for? <laughs> yeah, if, if you can get Haaland, you go all out and get him. But but also it's worth remembering that for the basically the first time in this modern Man City era, they've got four attacking youth team players who are coming through. Well, I mean, Kai Kai is a bit different because they bought him, but you've got McAtee and Delap who both came off the bench um, against Norwich and they've got Cole Palmer who's been the one who's played the most minutes. So realistically, if you've got four young talents who, who they clearly think are good enough to make the step up, are you really going to go out and spend all that money on a on a guy who's only got a couple more years left in him who's been in such poor form? Probably not. Um, I saw everyone's favourite broadcaster, Ali um, Maxwell. Richard Keys. Oh, sorry. Richard, <laughs> Richard Keyes uh, tweeting last week saying how Man City must wish they'd spent the Grealish money on, on Harry Kane. Uh, and I did wonder because um, I, I have a feeling they do not feel that way whatsoever. I was thinking about this last night when I was watching the Champions League and it kind of fits into this talking about Harry Kane. A few years ago, if you had to pick a world front three, the best three that you could think of, I think Kane might have been the striker. I think two of them are no-brainers, and then it's maybe just the one in the middle that may cause debate. Mbappe, Salah, Lewandowski. Yeah, Steve. I'm an Albion fan. What do I know about this this sort of football? Callum Robinson, Carlin Grant, Daryl D. De- De- <laughs> definitely, definitely not those three. <laughs> <laughs> also, if you don't want Conte to walk, 
you probably shouldn't shift Harry Kane because I can't imagine he'd take yeah, it very well either. Yeah. So yeah, Harry Kane, I think you're stuck at Spurs, mate. City did have their Champions League tie wrapped up in just over half an hour midweek and Man City correspondent Sam Lee has been writing the easier they make it look, the less credit they get. I think I'm quite guilty of this, to be fair, George. Do we need to appreciate this City side may be the most like, complete team we've ever seen in the Premier League? Because I've got to be honest, I enjoy watching Liverpool more than I enjoy watching Man City because I find Man City... This isn't meant as an insight. I find them a little bit robotic, whereas I just like the way Liverpool play. But am I, I think I'm probably underappreciating City quite a lot there, aren't I? I think there is something that is um, just quite predictably efficient about Manchester City that means we do take them for granted. Now, I don't mean that in any way as a disrespect to them. I, I personally love watching Pep Guardiola's teams play. I enjoy watching City play. I even sat and watched City beating Norwich last Saturday um, because I find it enjoyable watching some of the best players in European football who have such a telepathic understanding playing basically without a striker. The the movement, the the way that the players are able to to link in advanced areas, it's it's always entertaining to watch. But I do think there is an an, an understanding that all football fans know that Manchester City have got to where they got through not in any way a, a romantic way is it it's it's just mass investment done obviously very smartly in the playing staff that has completely changed Manchester City as a football side from as a football club from what it was 20 odd years ago when you compare that if you compare that to Liverpool where yes of course they've also spent some money but the outlay has been far smaller and you've got the story of you know the great Liverpool team of the 80s that had that barren spell and now they're back, back to former glories you know even me mentioning earlier going to the San Siro and beating both uh, AC Milan and, and Inter within a couple of months of each other the, there's more of a a relatable football story that I think captures the imagination a bit more than um, the Manchester City and I, and I think that will always be the case I, I think as, as long as City are even the prospect of Man City winning the Champions League in terms of a a fairy tale or, or you know the the rightful end um, to to what has been this journey to get there, unless it's it's done in, in a certain circumstances that make it more dramatic. I I think it wouldn't be met by it would be met by most football fans with, with little more than a a shrug at the inevitability of it. Come on, then, Steve, the tipster. Huh. What have you got this week? Yeah, Anthony Taylor takes charge of this game. He's uh... He's been quite car happy this season. He's averaging over four cards a game. He's yet to have one where he hasn't uh, gone to his pocket. So I'm going to go for over four and a half cards in this game at uh, the odds of six to five. Game three, which is Sunday two o'clock, is Leeds United v Manchester United. Historically, a really big love, game, actually, in the, in the this Premier game. League. When Leeds, were f- when Leeds were flying high, mm. it's always a good game, Poisonous. wasn't it? This used to be, I know, you know, people of a certain generation probably won't appreciate how much these two sides used to hate each other, you know, and it's been almost 20 years since they've actually played in front of a crowd in the top flight at Ellen Road. Um, and I was looking back through previous games and then I realised that I actually went to one of those games in, in 2002. I went to... Corporate? Yeah. Uh, yes. I... Uh, of course. <laughs> yeah. It was, uh, <laughs> it was a brilliant game. Manchester United won 4-1, uh, 4-3, sorry. Um, it Beckham went past Ian Hart as if he wasn't there and put in a great ball and they went 4-1 up. And then Ian Hart scored an absolutely fantastic free kick to think back to 4-2 and then they scored again to make it 4-3. And Leeds United had a free kick at the edge of the box. Ian Hart stepped up. It was one of those that just, you know, looped over 
and it was went agonisingly wide, so it ended 4-3. But that was just a brilliant game as well. And the last time they played each other, clearly I've looked at the fixtures, but it was at Ellen Road and, and Manchester United won 1-0. Um, Roy Keane got the winner. Ronaldo was booked for diving and David Batty got booked for elbowing uh, Ronaldo. So it was just... You know, so and, and James Milner actually made his second league appearance, his, his second league start, actually, for Leeds. So a young James Milner. For Ronaldo and, and, and Milner, of course, to be still playing, he's uh, yeah, fair play to the pair of them. <laughs> Do look out for Steve's new book that's coming out soon on the evolution of corporate hospitality. It wasn't, yeah, it wasn't a box. It, it, was, it, was, it was, yeah, normal. And I think they're quite wooden seats as well, if I remember rightly. George, I mean, Leeds want to move on from last week. What on earth happened to them at Everton? It was very poor. I mean, I think we've got to give um, Everton and Frank Lampard some credit, especially because I've uh, come on this podcast and mentioned that I'm not entirely sure the strategy has been right because they they basically leads leads. They they turned up and they just pressed them into oblivion and wouldn't let couldn't Leeds couldn't get out. They were winning the ball back in high areas. They were clinical. Um, you know, Leeds had basically two shots of note in the game and both were nearly worldies from Rodrigo but apart from hitting the crossbar twice from 30 yards they they basically created nothing um, and that has to be down to the impact that Lampard has had the playing style he's trying to implement you've got to give him credit for that rather I think than just pointing the finger at Leeds there's clearly been a lot of talk now that possibly the Bielsa era at Leeds is coming to an end I think a lot of Leeds fans who will always adore Marcelo Bielsa and probably previously would have scoffed at the idea that they could be better off without him. I think we've maybe started to see in the last couple of weeks some of those saying, actually, maybe it has run its course. Maybe it is time to try and recruit, um, especially because you're in a much better position recruiting a new manager when you are just about safe in the Premier League than leaving it too late and suddenly you're, you're recruiting someone to try and get you back there. So um, he looked pretty, Marcelo Bielsa on the, on the touchline at Goodison, I've never seen him look so confused. He looked like he just couldn't work out why his side was so incapable of, of breaking the Everton press. Um, they need some kind of a reaction. You know, they're lucky that at the moment it looks like it is um, the three teams at the bottom of the Premier League have have to play catch-up, which which suits them, but they can't rest easy. And um, there will certainly be a feeling amongst, amongst Leeds fans and their players as well that they owe Manchester United some revenge because it does feel like their whole upward trajectory as a football club was was derailed um, in that first game of the season where United just tore them apart. Uh, Bruno Fernandes with an incredible uh, performance on that day and they'll look to, to to right that wrong. Yeah, Phil Hay has been writing for The Athletic about Bielsa's future. I had a read of that yesterday yeah, as well, I, worth looking at, looking at really, that. really good yeah. read from yeah, Phil yeah, Phil, yeah, Phil's, Phil's different Phil's class, amazing. yeah, I think, I think he's one of the best and it's a great topic Bielsa because it, it just feels down that this this side that has come up from the championship um, we're talking about cycles and, and, and probably the squad as well you know I suppose they had a two-year plan of staying in the Premier League and then kicking on and does be is Bielsa the right man to be kick on as he's still got the hunger he's nearly 70 players like Ailing and uh, I suppose Dallas you know and Cooper maybe I don't know you know these players have, have been brilliant but if you want to move on cliche to the to the next level then clearly there needs to be some some new players bought in whenever he does go Bielsa it will be a, a massive loss because I absolutely love watching Leeds United play as a neutral I absolutely th- think they're brilliant to watch Despite yet yeah, another higher upstairs as Rick McGarr comes in to deal with fan engagement at Manchester United on the pitch George there are a few little signs of, of improvement Jadon Sancho started Sancho Jadon Sancho started to come to the fore a little bit more Yeah Sancho is looking really lively um, 
you know, isn't it strange that when you have a generational young talent who's proven at the top level, if you play him consistently in, in his right position, he actually starts performing well. Um, I'm so happy that he is because um, it was looking... His, his Manchester United career couldn't really have got off to a worse start, but certainly the faith that has been shown in him now, um, and dare I say it, maybe playing under a coach who has more experience in, in developing young talent successfully um, has seen him him improve. Um, there are better signs, um, you know, in in the first half against against Brighton in, uh, in midweek. I thought Brighton had the better of the first half and it looked a little bit ropey, but then United's quality shone through in the second period. A brilliant goal from, from Ronaldo. Um, probably the best little bit of magic we've seen from Ronaldo back in a United shirt. It was one of those goals where you wonder how many players in the Premier League could, could do that. Uh, I'm not sure too many with the the presence of mind, the quick feet, and then the that that strike with the with the, the short back lift um, into the, into the the side netting was just that moment of quality that turns that from a pretty awkward game into one where they're they're suddenly coasting towards three points. Um, David de Gea made a couple of important saves as he often has to do because United, um, even when they're playing well, aren't a side who seem capable of preventing the opposition teams from from creating. But you know Brighton have, haven't lost many games this season and are a decent side themselves. I I, I thought personally they'd probably give them a better game than they did um so yeah I think I think there are positive signs for United here um and going into this you know this even though Leeds fans would wish that this rivalry would be a big game for both sides because they have similar ambitions um coming into this there's a lot at stake for both sides so it should be a very good game for the neutral and should should shouldn't lack any any bite yeah we spoke about him last week Steve but Pog back He's got a goal and an assist since his return to the team. Him and Bruno, they've operated in the, in the same side. Can they work in the same team, Steve? Yeah, is this a Gerard Lampard type of uh, <laughs> type <laughs> yeah. type of question? Uh, yeah, I, I think Pogba assisted Bruno as well against Brighton, didn't he? I th- it yes. was a surprise to see him on the bench. I thought. Um, yeah, my fantasy football captain. Was, it was he? a surprise? Oh, An unpleasant oh, one. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I suppose I don't know whether you know Pogba playing deeper as a as a six and, and, and Bruno as a 10. Um, I, I just like to see, you know, I mean, Pogba has to play anyway, you know, for me, George talked well about him last week as well, being the quality player that he is. I suppose as a player, he, he enjoys playing a little bit further, you know, influencing games a little bit more, getting a little bit closer to goal. So can you fit him in personally without being the master tactician? Maybe you might need Mr. Cox for that, ask that, that question, but clearly, <laughs> clearly as a football fan, oh, I, I do like to see both in a team to see what they can, they're able to produce. George, how do you see this game playing out? Hard to say. Um, I've looked into the the booking markets. Um, you know, we've mentioned that these two teams don't particularly like each other. Um, one player who is in red hot form when it comes to bookings is Dan James. He's been booked in, in all four of his last four games. He's a pretty scrappy competitor and he's certainly got something to prove here up against his former employers uh, in Manchester United. So given that he's five to one um, to, to be showing a card in a game where, you know, Paul Tierney's refing, who who isn't averse to to getting his his uh, his tickets out when when needed. Um, this should be a pretty feisty encounter with, with a lot on the line, and it, it would seem unlikely to me that that James doesn't uh, have a couple of moments where he'll look to to impose himself physically on the game. Um, he's he's not someone, despite his his uh, lack of height, he's not someone who shirks away from a battle, um, and especially yeah, as I say, given the the Manchester United connection as well, I think he could go five from five at, at five to one. Cool. This is a paid advertisement from BetterHelp Therapy Online. Do you ever get that feeling that you need to get something off your chest? 
We all carry around different stresses, big and small. And when we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe place to release and discuss those thoughts and feelings and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, why not give BetterHelp a try? It's entirely online and it's designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. All you need to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to match with a licensed therapist. And if things don't click, you can switch to someone new at any time with no additional charge. With over 1,000 therapists in the UK already, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. And because you listen to this podcast, you can get 10% off your first month of online therapy by heading to betterhelp.com slash athleticfootball. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash athleticfootball with no spaces. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Game four, Wolves v Leicester, which is the final game on Sunday, 4.30pm kickoff. Steve, one team doesn't score that many, and one team looks like they're going to concede every time they have a set piece against them, or just in general. So something kind of has to give in this game a little bit, doesn't it? Yeah, they're playing well, aren't they, Wolves? It's... Uh... Yeah, it's a tough time, I suppose. They're, you know, they're loving it at the moment with with Albion struggling. It's a bit like the Albion-Villa relationship, Dan. You know, Albion fans don't like Villa and Villa fans aren't, okay, well, we're not that bothered really. And it's a bit like a, a bit like the same with Albion and Wolves. Wolves absolutely hate the Albion. I know it's a generational thing, but Albion fans are like, oh, okay, yeah. But yeah, Wolves are doing fantastically well. They've only had that one nil blip, haven't they, against, uh, against Arsenal where Ramsdale was doing the boing-boing, wasn't he? Because he's an Albion fan. Of course, and like I said earlier in the pod, they have shortened from 200 to 1 into 16 in the top four market as well. And even when they do lose, it's generally by a 1 0 scoreline. They're, they're that good defensively. Manchester City, Liverpool, Man United, Arsenal, Spurs, they've all lost by 1 0 against them, conceding 17, conceded less than Chelsea and Liverpool as well. And clearly, the change from Nuno to Bruno Large has installed a lot of confidence in the team. He, he looks tactically smart as well. He's done well against a number of top coaches so far this season. They're not as reliant on Jimenez's goals, so it's great to see him back. They've also lost Adama Traore, which in previous times might have been panic stations for Wolves. No, not at all. They look in a really good place at the moment. Yeah, they're clocking up the, the impressive numbers here, George. Four consecutive away wins in the top flight for the first time in 42 years. They've got the fourth best away record in the Premier League. They've already got seven away wins in this Premier League season, which has already equaled their previous best tally. They're almost efficiently good because they can be a, not the best on the eye, but they are efficient and they get their, they get the job done. Yeah, I, I like watching them play. I like the fact that they, um, despite not being um, a particularly high pressing side, you know, they're happy to let the opposition have it when they do get on the ball. They like to to keep it. They like to knock it about. Why wouldn't you when you've got Joao Martino and um, and and Ruben Neves in your side, two of the best passing midfielders, but a very different skill set um, in the Premier League? And yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm I'm a fan of theirs. I thought the performance against Spurs was incredibly impressive. You know, often when you get a result like a team such as Wolves beating a Spurs, 
it, it can almost be a um, a product of mayhem. You know, you think back to the Southampton win over Spurs recently, where it was just a bit of a, a an end to end side with with Saints coming out on top, whereas the the Wolves game was just. Wolves being in total control. You know, they were the better side throughout the game. Um, they were still in control at 2-0 up and it felt like there was a gulf in class between the two teams. And it's pretty rare that you see um, an upset like that, an outsider winning uh, an away game with such confidence and such poise. So that they are quality um, and they've got quality players in the side. I think we can often forget that the, you know, the drop-off uh, at the back end of last season wasn't really expected. I personally thought that when Wolves got promoted out of the championship, it was a matter of time before they started being a proper force and a proper contender for the top six. That hadn't happened. But under Bruno Large, it now looks like it feasibly could do. And if they continue playing as they did, um, you know, great to see Raul Jimenez getting a getting a goal as well. He hasn't scored enough this season. I think if they had a, a more reliable source of goals up front, um, they would be much more part of that conversation. But as Steve said earlier, 200s into 16s. And you can see why, given the way they're playing. Yeah, some more England speculation here, Steve. Max Kilman still only 24, having a really good season. I'm going to say no again, mm. but... England call-up? Is he, is he, is he in the mix? Well, good to, yeah. You're the Scrooge. Yeah. 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 Him, I know. him and Cody. Him and Cody, clearly, uh, yeah, Cody looks an absolute certainty to go. And uh, Kilman's he's 10 to 1, Dan. Clearly, there's a bit of traffic in front of him to do that. You know, w- one of those being your boy, uh, Tyrone Mings, as well, of course. And yeah, I know Harry Maguire isn't uh, playing fantastic at the moment, but you'd like, to, you still think he still has a, a lot to do. But it's been a great rise for Kilman, who. Uh, Played for Maidenhead United a few years ago. He's, he's 24, so he's been around a little bit. And he's gradually got into that Wolves team on that right side of the defence, clearly playing next to somebody in a three like Cody. I would imagine he's a fantastic talker and talking you through games would be absolutely brilliant as well. And he's, it, it, It's a Wolves defensive line that clearly knows its job. It's been well drilled. It's been well trained. Behind them, they've got a goalkeeper as well who reads the game extremely well, who looks an upgrade on Patricio as well. So yeah, Kilman is a 10 to 1 chance, got a lot to do. But if he carries on like that, then people are going to be you know, talking him up a great deal. Did you know that he um, he's eligible to play for Ukraine and the Ukrainian FA got in touch to see if he was interested, but because he played futsal for England, and that means that he's in- ineligible to play for any other football team apart from England. Really? So there you have it. Yeah. So we're lucky that we we're able to call on him. I mean, he does seem, any Wolves fan you speak to will say that he is the best. You know, it, I, if you spoke to Wolves fans about who is the better de- defender, Connor Cody or Max Kilman, um, there's no question who they would say. And it's not the, the even money shot to go to, to the World Cup. It feels to me like we are kind of in the middle now of, of Kilman's reputation going from being a, a decent young centre-back, where I think in a couple of months' time, he will be one of the hot bits of kind of hot property in the Premier League. I think if you take Cody out of that back three there, I don't think Kilman's as good or as impressive at all. That would be what mm. I would say to Wolves fans there. They'll miss him when he's gone Wolves. He's been a massive part of, of their rising through the years. Yeah, so, agreed. Yeah, that, would be my, that would be my take on that. Not that anyone asked for it, but there it is anyway. Uh, Yuri Tillemans was brilliant against West Ham last weekend. He really grabbed the game by the scruff of the neck in the first half and then showed his quality in the second. It looks like he's heading to the exit door at Leicester in the summer without much fuss, according to their writer, Rob Tanner. Should alarm bells be ringing, Steve, for, for Leicester fans a, a little bit? I mean, it might sound a little bit crazy, but if they lose a couple of players, you know, they've got ageing players that have been there a long time and the manager changes and that doesn't go well. I mean, it's got a little bit of a, a Puel vibe, Leicester at the moment. It, everything seems unhappy. 
spoke earlier about Leeds and the cycle of, 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 of players possibly coming to an end. And you look at their the key players, you know, the spine of the team. Um, Schmeichel, of course, he's he must be in his mid thirties. You know, um, Johnny Evans, of course, as well. Uh, Jamie Vardy. We near we nearly went a podcast without yeah. Johnny Evans being mentioned, <laughs> well, but you've managed to get him well, in there. Well, yeah. <laughs> um, and if you were asking me to price it now uh, uh, for next season, I mean, the start of this season, the shortest fifty to one, I think, to win the title. They'll be around two hundred to one to win the title, and probably about seven to one for the top four. So those two prices probably wouldn't interest you. I'd still have them to be a, a, still a big old price for relegation at, at, at 33 to once and uh, 33 to one. So we're not getting carried away yet after this blip and after that such a, a good season, recent seasons under Brendan Rogers, of course, winning the FA Cup as well. So maybe he's due a, a bit more time, but it is concerning. And also what is concerning is, is the goals conceded from corners, um, set, set nice. plays. Again, we talked about it last week, 11 goals conceded from corners it was the same amount last season as well this is a recurring theme whether they're zonal whether the blockers aren't doing their jobs the markers not doing their jobs this has to be a huge concern for for Leicester City and you'd imagine that Wolves were the latest team to be trying and practicing that on the training ground this week um, for, for this weekend's game yeah, so is your tip based around yeah. that, well, Steve? Max, Kil- Max Kilman, anytime I'm going to gamble with You that. are correct. He he, he, yes, he, no. <laughs> he he did me a huge favour this weekend by scoring his his first goal for Wolves um, in the Premier League. So I'm, I, I think it was, that was against Everton. I've just looked at it now against Everton. He, he got the opener after 28 minutes from a corner. And I'm hopeful of him to get on the score sheet yet again at a double-figure price against Leicester this weekend. Just before we go, enough time for me to remind you to subscribe to The Athletic today and you'll gain full access to all the brilliant articles as well as ad-free podcasts for just a pound a month for the first six months. To take advantage of that offer, just head to theathletic.com slash football pod. Thanks to Steve the tipster, thanks to George and of course thanks to all of you for listening. Remember to hit subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so that you never miss a show. Mark Chapman's going to be back on this feed on Monday. You've been listening to The Athletic Football Podcast. Have a great weekend and enjoy all the games. The Athletic.